Welcome to Talking About Cities, the podcast that connects you with leading innovators working to revitalize cities across America. We talk to the thinkers and doers, the researchers and leaders, facing the challenges and celebrating the promise of cities today. I'm your host, Carol Galletta of the Kresge Foundation, and today we are talking about equity, what it is and how to achieve it. Our guest is Andrea Batista Schlesinger with HRNA Advisors, a firm providing services in real estate and economic development, where she focuses on strategies that make cities inclusive and equitable. Prior to joining HRNA, Andrea served as Deputy Director of the United States Program of the Open Society Foundations and was Special Advisor to New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Andrea, when we think about public space, such as parks, plazas, streets, what does equity look like? How do I know it when I see it? When I think about equity and open space or really equity in any area of planning or policy or program, I'm looking at it through three lenses. The first is, is the endeavor itself Is it equitable? Whomever is visiting it or using it, availing themselves of that service, are they able to access it regardless of who they are, the color of their skin, where they live, what they believe? Is this a place or is this a policy that treats everyone equally or is it a policy or a place where your experience will be determined by who you are? The second thing I'm looking at is to what extent is that policy or open space or investment To what extent is it addressing the larger challenges to equity in a city? So, for example, you could build an amazing and vibrant park in a neighborhood and walk through it and see people of all sizes and shapes and stripes, but know that the existence of that park was done in such a way that it missed opportunities to hire locally, to invest in the local public schools, to avoid the displacement that may come depending on the city that you're in with such an investment. So I'm looking at it, is the policy or is the the program, is it contributing to the mitigation of or is it contributing to the, the perpetuation of inequities that challenge the entire city? And the third thing I'm looking at is to what extent is this endeavor actually furthering inequities in a place? And I'm interested in what's happening in in the park itself or in the open space or in the policy, you know, whatever it is, in the economic development project, in the in the decision about where to place a highway, and looking at how is that in and of itself going to matter to the lives of people depending on who they are. But then, you know, to what extent is that effort itself contributing or furthering challenges to equity in the city in which those policies, programs, parks, projects are being developed. Is there a city doing this well? What does a comprehensive equity strategy for public space include? I mean, you've mentioned three things that you say are the lenses through which you would view equity, but I'm curious if you've seen a comprehensive policy that you admire or something that is playing out on the ground in terms of policy or strategies that you think serve as a model or at least beginning to show us the way forward? I think a comprehensive equity strategy is elusive until we define what equity means. 
and I don't mean to punt on the question because I'll share thoughts on it, but, you know, what I've experienced, so I spent several months on behalf of the Conference of Mayors talking to city governments, and it wasn't specifically on open space, but that was one of the areas that we were interested in. We wanted to understand how does your administration think about equity? And in particular, we were interested in racial equity, but not just. And what we found was that we had around the table, we had the people who were responsible for thinking about parks and open space, public works, housing, economic development, workforce development, social services. And we realized that in some cities, there was no consistent definition of what equity meant. So, you know, I remember a director of public works in one major city said, look, do you mean equity in terms of who pays tax dollars and therefore who should receive services? Because when I'm making decisions, that balance is what I have to think about when I'm thinking about equity. We have other cities that have thought about, okay, well, how do we look at an entire neighborhood and invest in a neighborhood in such a way that other neighborhoods have been invested in? That's what we mean by equity. Other cities have explicitly named racial equity as a strategy and are evaluating each and every policy against the lens of, does this further racial inequities? Does this address a past legacy of inequitable treatment by race, whether it's the location or placement of a public work or whether it's how a social service agency interacts with a population or who we hire, who we contract with? So you ask, are there models of places that are doing this well, that are advancing comprehensive equity strategies? And what I can say is one of my number one observations is that unless you define what equity means for your city, it is very difficult to come up with that strategy. And it may seem obvious, but in several of the places of the the, almost 20 cities that we engaged with and visited, that answer was often elusive, where you had a mayor saying, everybody knows this administration is committed to advancing equity in every area, from how we think about parks to how we think about economic development. But when you look one layer down to the civic partners, to the business community, to the commissioners and the deputies, They didn't know what was meant by equity. So there are projects that I've seen, that I've engaged with, my firm has engaged with that are thinking comprehensively about how an open space can not only feel equitable, so that is in thinking about not just, okay, who can participate, but to whom does this park belong? Who feels that this is theirs? And there are models of incorporating that kind of thinking into the development of open spaces from the beginning, of thinking about, well, is this in a city, in a market, where displacement is actually a concern? How do we think about protecting the affordable housing, protecting the small businesses that surround these projects? Because we know now so much more about what potential displacement effects could be in the markets where displacement is an actual concern. There are, you know, examples of places that have really put citizen engagement and neighborhood participation in design at the forefront, because in their view, that is where the challenges to equity manifest, is in the disengagement with the community, which is what leads you to do programmatic and policy investments that either inadvertently or or intentionally, and frankly, either one isn't good, perpetuate inequitable outcomes and inequitable access. So I think there are models of projects and places that are getting at this in different ways, but the number one challenge for everybody is in thinking about, okay, how do we define equity? How do we think about a project or a policy as equitable, but then how does this policy or project or program address the broader inequities that are facing a city? You've raised a number of issues I'd love to pursue, but let me just take one. Uh, You've talked about access to public space and who feels welcomed, who owns this place, 
and you talked about community-engaged design. Can't that cut all sorts of ways? I mean, I think in some ways it is quite normal in America. We're, we're tribal at some mm-hmm. level. Not that that's a healthy thing, but I think it is probably a human thing. And therefore, in our tribalism, we tend to make ourselves comfortable, right? Me and mine. So if I am a fairly affluent neighborhood and we have community-engaged design, as an example, and, you know, we're thinking about who's comfortable here, we tend to think about, again, people like us. On the other hand, if I, you know, generally live in a low-income neighborhood uh, with uh, demographics of, let's say, a lot of kids, then, again, if it's community-engaged design, I'm going to tend to design for people like me with the same demographics. So where does the public role, Andrea, come in to be the bridge, to be the navigator between demographics, between tribes, among tribes, so that everyone can feel comfortable in let's say, an open space, or is is that just an elusive goal? No, I appreciate you pushing on this question because I find that even though I'm focused on issues around inclusive and equitable cities, that you know you say those words enough and they can lose meaning. And I, I think what you're pressing on is a question that relates to design, but that also relates to power, and that also relates to the resources that follow power. So I think you're right. I don't think the goal for every open space is for everyone to feel the same in it and for it to belong to everyone. I think one of the beauties of cities is the degree to which communities are unique and retain their identity. And frankly, even for those who are big voices behind equity, one of the biggest concerns is, well, we need to avoid displacement. We need to keep communities intact. And so I recognize that that can occasionally seem contradictory. I think the issue, though, is where power intersects. When you're putting a significant amount of resources into a signature initiative, into a new policy change, into a new open space that is designed to be for all of the city, then how do you do that in a way where your experience of it isn't determined by where you come from, the color of your skin, the language that you speak. And maybe I'm being overly simplistic, Carol, and I I would certainly love your view on this because you've spent so much time looking at it and know so much. Um, But my view is that it's not about every park and it's not about every place. It's not about every policy. But when something is happening that touches a city in a bigger way that's designed to be something that says it is for everyone. I think it's important to think about how those dynamics are lived. So I don't know if that distinction holds up, Carol. I mean, I think it's an interesting question and one to think more about. But I do think that communities need to be pushed. I think communities need more actors, need more capacity to make um, more sophisticated policy proposals and to offer more sophisticated ideas about how they would design differently so that benefits can accrue to the communities. I think that the discussion of benefits and negotiation has been the purview of experts and stakeholders with power inside and around government for too long. But I think ultimately there has to be space for a conversation about how 
investments and policies and, and programmatic initiatives will affect communities that reaches into neighborhoods and that reaches to people who aren't normally around the policymaking table. Andrea Batista Schlesinger with HRNA Advisors is our guest today to talk about equity and how to achieve it in cities. I think it's interesting that you begin to talk about scale here, you know, something that's going to have an outsized impact or you're spending outsized money on something. And I especially appreciate your distinction about claiming to be for all. Then are you for all? Are you living up to that promise? I just got a newsletter from the marvelous organization, Spur, in San Francisco. And I think inequality was on the, how do we solve, are we going to solve inequality? I've forgotten exactly what the headline was, but it was a provocative headline. And I, you know, my first reaction was, my gosh, you know, you're San Francisco, capitalistic system, you have entrepreneurs that are succeeding and making wildly fast sums of money. And then, of course, there's this huge presence of people without homes on the street. It is a desperately unequal situation. And then you say, okay, so at what scale can you reasonably tackle the issue of inequality and inequity? We can all decide as an organizational, I mean, even at an individual level, but certainly at an organizational level to do what we can. Certainly get to the governmental level, there's more responsibility. But even there, when you think about the organizations you advise and certainly the governmental units that you are now advising, where does their power to overcome inequity lie and where is the power outside their control? Mm -hmm. That is a, a huge question. The question of what is the right response to inequality is, and at what level uh, is, um, that's the question that keeps me up at night, Carol, is, you know, I, I spent a lot of my time and my work looking at things from a policy level. And then I began to confront the reality that policies, when it bumps up against implementation, can lose their meaning and there can be unintended consequences. Then I started to think about populations. So I designed an initiative focused on a population, you know, in New York, um, looking at young black men and thinking about the barriers that they face. And then I bumped up against the reality of, well, you know, with factors including job markets and failed educational systems and how we can launch a few kind of mentoring programs and we can pass some policies that will address some systemic barriers like prohibiting questions about past, um, you know, criminal convictions from the early round of job applications. But honestly, how much can a population-based strategy get you um, when you're trying to promote more educational and economic opportunity? Then I started thinking about, okay, it's a power problem. So I went into philanthropy to start to try to fund organizations that could change the political and power environment with a belief that if you change that, then you can change policy and program, only to realize that that, too, was incomplete for any number of reasons, including the difficulty of addressing these intractable challenges from inside government. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I, I think that it's systemic and we need to, and, and I'm, I'm looking at policy change and I'm thinking about that all the time. Sometimes I'm working with a client to think about how do we rethink a workforce development system so that when the unemployment numbers come out and everybody cheers and I think, oh, God, the people who are the hardest to employ, I just think about them, the people who are the hardest to employ and how unprepared 
and underfunded the workforce development system is and how difficult it will be for those people to find work. Think about, is this a community strategy? You know, should we be looking at things from a community lens holistically to think about issues like preventing displacement and or in, uh, promoting investment where it's needed? Is that the right lens? I've gone to city governments and spoken with mayors who believe that thinking about things at the community level is, is the right way in. Carol, I don't know. And maybe the answer is that it depends. I interviewed a mayor once who said, my goal is more inequality because I want to attract the wealthiest people to come and live here and I want to make sure the poor can stay. So judge me by how much inequality I create. Mm. And that was so profound to me, and my knee-jerk reaction was, oh, my God, that's horrible. And then I thought, well, that's also what it is to be mayor. And those are the types of challenges and dilemmas that you face when you're inside government. So all of that to say, look, I think about equity in the context of the actions that you take. And I think about inequality as a state of affairs. And, you know, my interest is in promoting equitable practice and making sure the things that we do have uh, equitable effects. But the broader question of how cities tackle inequality, you have to come up and grapple with the very challenge that you presented, which is in many places it's deeply ingrained, and in many cases there are mayors who have the absolute best intentions for lifting up the economic and educational prospect of their citizens, and all they want is a class of people with a whole lot of money to come in and offer to the tax base something that would enable the investments that can make that possible. So I wish I knew the answer to that. You've played in the policy world and the power world and the political world. Let me ask you, I think a lot about this. I mean, can you seduce people into behavior that they don't come to naturally? Right? I mean, so nobody likes the first cigarette they smoke, I've been told. I've never smoked one. But, you know, but, but they get seduced into smoking because, you know, it looks cool and other people do it and it's a little dangerous, it's a little rebellious. So they're kind of seduced into it, right? It's not that you like it. Have you ever thought about, okay, so we know this is a good thing. We want to reduce inequity. Maybe we don't want to reduce inequality, at least in the near term, for the reason your provocative mayor suggested. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're the thought, how can I seduce people into this? I think about it as developing habits of mind. And to me, in doing the work that I do, the number one habit of mind that I am trying to work with people to, with my clients to develop is to ask a set of questions about who benefits, what are our goals, who could be hurt, how could this address larger challenges, how could it further them. And so it's not so much, and, and again, not to try to be too cute about this, but it's not so much about seducing people into believing a certain set of practices or prescriptions are the right ones for them. I don't have a cigarette that everyone can smoke and, and it'll be fine. I don't have an anti-displacement kit that works in a place. You know, I mean, Carol, you've said this to me a million times. So, you know, there are different types of cities. So for you, you know, and depending on what city you come from, it's all about preventing displacement. For me, it's all about how do I get smart investment. I don't have that one cigarette, but the habit of mind that I think we're in a moment to instill in policymakers and those who want to influence the physical place is a set of questions. So we used to get hired as a firm, and we still do all the time, to do very well-recognized economic impact work, 
what will the you know what can we project will be the economic impact of this investment of this development and so you know i'm interested in, okay now the next phase is how do we do that same analysis but look at it through a different set of questions what will the impact be on neighborhoods how can this public investment address larger challenges to equity how can this investment in and of itself perpetuate more equitable outcomes from the community or for population and eventually that impact analysis i believe will become as normative a process of exploring development and policy change as an economic impact study. That's the moment we're in, and that's about the questions that you ask and the commitment to asking those questions. And you did just such a piece of work for the Memphis River Parks Partnership, which we are attempting to bring to ground now. So I, I appreciate the level of thought and concern you, you've brought to this. One more question, Andrea. What's the best advice you can give to organizations designing and managing public space in the pursuit of equity? Well, first, I just want to say that, that was, Carol, so much of your vision is in, is in thinking from the very beginning about the impacts on equity and on the economy in Memphis. And, and I hope that the questions that you asked become the norm in other cities. The best advice that I always try to give to any advocates that I'm working with is to try to understand all of the policy levers available, to try to think about and define what the challenges are in a way that is rigorous beyond uh, questions simply of inclusion or exclusion and feel, but to think about what is the analysis of the greatest challenges to equity, you know, either in a place or a neighborhood or for a population, for the city, and then to develop an agenda that is based on an intimate knowledge of the policy levers that are available. And, you know, I mean, I try to work with advocates and always have to think about the bar is higher, and so whether it's a public space or advocacy around an issue, who are the actors what powers do they have, and then how do you move your agenda? And I think it may seem silly. I mean, I was in, I was in my five-year-old's class, and they um, decided that there was an issue. This is a New York City issue of too much dog poop on the streets. And so they decided as a class to put together a letter and to say to whom it may concern. We've noticed, you know, that this is an issue. We, the, the kindergartners of this school, we ask that you please be... So my comment to the teacher, you know, who was, but wait a second, you haven't taught the kids who's responsible for the different policy changes that they're advocating for. So who's responsible for putting free bags up on the corner? Who's responsible for potentially ticketing? Who's responsible? So whether it's kindergartners, whether it's advocates, whether it's people who've been around for a while, thinking about who actually holds the levers is essential to trying to influence projects and policies that too often go in the direction and, you know, a gravity towards inequitable outcomes to move it in the direction of more equitable outcomes. Andrea, I'm so glad we could finally put this conversation together. And I really have enjoyed uh, talking with you today. So thanks Thank so much you. for Thank being so our much, guest. Carol. Andrea Batista Schlesinger is a consultant with HRNA Advisors. And thank you for listening. You can always hear the latest Talking About Cities podcast and the archive of past shows at Cresby.org, where you will also find links to learn more about our guest. Contact us at TalkingAboutCities at Cresby.org with your comments and suggestions. I'm Carol Coletta, Senior Fellow of the Cresby Foundation American Cities Practice. And until next time, let's keep talking about cities.